Hey everyone, it's Amber Love of Vodka Clock Podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget, we are labeled as an explicit website and podcast. And I'm finally getting to welcome Paul Aller back to the show. Paul, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So I know you've had like a really busy year as far as um, working on stuff and writing stuff, and there's all sorts of comics experience uh, updates that hopefully you can fill us in on. Um, so... Uh, you know, but one of the things that I wanted to definitely talk to you about was that you've been, uh, you've had your, your feet in, in both ponds doing creator owned work and now you're working on some, uh, IP franchise type comics and, you know, I want to hear all about that and, you know, and then, and you can give us a little, uh, introduction as to these titles and why they're important to, to our community, to our, our little tiny pop culture world. Sound good? Sure. Okay. All right. So um, one, of, one of the titles that you're working on is the is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know you did like a one-shot from the micro-series. I did, yes. So what's your new, what's your new project? Uh, I, I did a one-shot um, last year that focused on the character of Fugitoid, and I have another one-shot coming out um, last week of December. It's coming out the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, that's going to be about Shredder. Um, but then in in January, I have a, uh, a mini-series uh, coming out called uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Utram Empire, which uh, focuses on the uh the Utram race, which is the race that the villain Krang belongs to. He's the for those who aren't familiar with the franchise but have maybe seen the cartoon when they were kids, he's the, the guy that's the, the the brain in the in the chest of a of a of a larger suit. Um and yeah, so so that's gonna be uh three issues and uh it's gonna like split itself between a modern day story that takes place on Burnow Island between uh Krang and Fugitoid and Baxter Stockman, another villainous character. And then the other half of it will take place in the distant past and tell the story of the rise and fall of the Utram Empire. So it should be a lot of fun. So I know that there have been a couple movies out. Mm-hmm. Or, or that there's another new one coming out that completely changes the game. So, what is the basis for your turtles, if you will? Like, are your turtles from the original? Uh, no. Uh, well, IDW has been putting out uh, these turtles issues for a couple of years now, and so it's in the IDW continuity that okay. they've that they've that they've established. And was that after Eastman sold it? Yes. Okay. So, um, but he's but, but he, he's still involved. He actually uh, he, he co-writes the the main title with, uh, with 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 Tom Waltz. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Because I know like things like Star Wars, they you know they obviously license the, the stuff out, but there's sort of um, you know there's somebody overseeing the continuity. Yeah, uh, the, the Turtles. Yeah, Star Wars does just tend to have like one mega continuity across. Everything they do, uh, Turtles isn't really like that. The Turtles um, stuff has many, many different continuities depending on what what comic series or what movie or what TV show uh, it is. Yeah, it's like I guess it, it, it's more like the, the the big two superheroes in that way, the way that they exist in many different continuities. Okay, and 
kind of, I don't know if it's why it sort of shocks me, but, you know, like the, the guys from my, my generation who, you know, we watched cartoons in the 70s and 80s and stuff, um, how the, the Ninja Turtles for them are like never, never dated. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't, you know, run out of their pastiche. They're just, um. Right. It's a very, it's a very timeless concept. Uh, it really, it really is. And because I never, uh, you know, like I just never got into them. And I, I, you know, I was tweeting about this when I was saying that I was going to be talking to you. I'm like, I just, I, I get the, that there's this fan base and I love it. Like, um, you know, some of the guys I know do the most brilliant artwork that they should be, uh, I, they should, IDW should never let them get away. Like JK Woodward and Dave Wachter. I mean, these guys know how to paint turtles. Right. And, um, Dave gave us a lovely piece for the superhero fundraiser that we did at Comic Fusion. Hmm. So, uh, it's just, it, people, people love it enough that they're, they're never embarrassed by loving something that sounds so outrageous. <laughs> Yeah, that's you're 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 absolutely right. Um, there, there's so much so much turtles love out there, and I think that is um, you know one of the reasons why. I mean, the the art on the there have been a lot of different artists, as you mentioned, on these books, and the art on IDW's turtles books is just so consistently amazing. Um, and uh, on my stuff that's coming up, Dan Duncan is doing the um, is doing the Shredder um, micro, which I'm very excited about. His his stuff on it is just amazing. Uh, and then Andy, Andy Kuhn, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't think I've ever actually heard it out loud. Uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy's doing the mini. Uh, and, and again, I'm just a huge fan of his turtle stuff as well. So I'm, I'm very, very pumped about that. Now, are these going to be color? Yes. Okay. For some reason, I was not sure if they were like a grayscale book or if they were a color book. No, no, it's, it's, it's in color. Yeah. Okay. The original, the original, uh, stuff. Um, from Raj back in the 80s was black and white. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been in color for quite a while. Okay. Because I know, like, each one wears, like, a different color headband, but I didn't know if that was something from the cartoons specifically or... Right. They actually, it's interesting, IDW's done a kind of a cool job of incorporating a lot of different um, different iterations into into their continuity. And they actually started out having them all wearing red headbands, and then uh, they switched to... To the to the different colors, and there was like a story reason for it. It was, it was, it was really neat. That's cool. And mm-hmm. um, one thing I do remember um, it was that each one had a very distinct personality. You know, yeah. and I, um, and this is a cool thing about these team ensemble Justice League type things is that you know even characters like this who look the same. You know, like. The Green Lantern Corps—you can always tell who's a Green Lantern, but they're they're such individuals. Yeah, and I also think it's, it's interesting because you know they are they are teenagers, and all four of them has a personality type that a lot of teenagers can 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 relate to. You know, I mean, Michelangelo is the more laid back party guy, but you know, obviously a lot of teenagers fit into that mold. Uh, Raphael is a little more more angry. Um, that one would definitely have been me as a teenager. <laughs> um, you know, um, uh, Donatello is a little more. He's, he's scientifically minded. He's very curious about the world. That's another thing you see very often in that age group. And then uh, Leonardo is, is is the leader, and he's the guy who kind of has 
frankly, more responsibility than a guy his age should have and has been put into a situation where he's had to grow up really fast. And so I think that's one of the reasons why the, the, the franchise has, has endured as long as it has is, is because you do have these four central characters who are just extremely relatable. You know, yeah, that's interesting because um, because a lot of people do start to read comics in their uh, their younger years, or you know, some people just learn to read because of comics, which is really cool. Um, you know, I think about characters like you know Robin and the Teen Titans. You know, one of the things that everybody who tries to look at these characters seriously says. You know, why would a child be in this situation? <laughs> you know, like right. Tim Drake, like poor Tim Drake, you know, run around and, you know, just trying to steal, a, you know, some bread to get by and, you know, not right. get into the foster care system and whatever, you know, whatever these these things are that we don't necessarily relate to, but yet we somehow connect to them, like you said, connect to their personalities, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, were you left on somebody's doorstep and raised by ninjas or something? I don't think so. Maybe you were. Maybe you can't tell me. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> I, I, sh- I shouldn't talk about that. Oh, okay. Okay. But you came out all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right now. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's sort of like a n- ninja witness protection. Exactly, yeah. So with the... Uh, the new subscriptions and things that go on these days. I'm just want to double check. Is this stuff that will be available in the comic shops and on Comicology or whatever app people are using? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything besides Comicology these days? I, I mean, other than directly downloading from websites like Throwbent or whatever. Um, unless you're coming out to Dark Horse. Okay. Yeah, because they have their own. Their they own have their own thing. All right. Um, and do we know what sort of prices these go for these days? Um, I believe these are all, these are $4 books. Okay. Your next project is working on G.I. Joe, which is another ridiculously giant mega franchise. Uh Uh-huh. And here you are, Paul Aller from Indiana. Yep. What is Uh, going on? How did this happen? Um, yeah, my, uh, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a couple of filling issues of the, of the main, uh, G.I. Joe book after, uh, Fred Van Linty's, uh, run ends. He's, his last issue is in, uh, December and then I start in January. And, um, <clears throat> this is actually a story that's been in the works for, for a while. Um, and it, it, it slots in really nicely into where, where the book is right now, and basically uh, the first couple issues are taking a look at um, past Cobra Commanders. Yeah, the uh, my first couple issues, it's actually a really cool story, because uh, what, what IDW is doing with the G.I. Joe book that's different from some past iterations is that they're treating Cobra Commander as a job rather than an individual man. And so because of that, that gives us the opportunity to go back and look at some of the past Cobra Commanders. So, uh, Basically, the, we have some really cool stories uh, that talk about where Cobra Commander uh, has has been in terms of there's like a there's like a Pirates of the Caribbean era Cobra, Cobra Commander. There's a Cobra Commander in uh, Yakuza times. Um, there's a Cobra Commander during World War One. Just a lot of really interesting stories about some of the past people to 
to have led these, uh, to, to have led this organization and kind of their different leadership styles. And the one thing that I really tried to focus on is the different ways in which they handle power. Um, because I, I, I always found that very interesting that even in the different G.I. Joe continuities, Cobra Commander, um, definitely had, had a different, had a different style in, in, in each of them, uh, in terms of handling power and how he dealt with his, with his subordinates and how he advanced the, the organization. And so I tried to really, um, have each of the, uh, the commanders that I'm dealing with have a different approach to that. And, and I, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I think it's, it's a really, interesting story. I have, we have a ton of really fantastic artists on it, and I'm hoping that people that people react well to it. So, is there going to be any expectations of fan backlash? Like, you are, um, you know, if we were to compare this to somebody else who's iconic like Batman. Batman's Bruce Wayne, and that's what we know, and occasionally when he's been injured, there's been somebody else to fill in or whatever, but Batman is always Bruce Wayne. So, is is making Cobra Commander a, a job that makes far more sense as far as getting through time. Um, is that something that you have any idea if the fan base is ready to accept this? Well, they, I mean, they kind of, they introduced that like several years ago. Like two or okay. Three years ago. Yeah. So um, when one of them was, was killed and another one rose to the top of the heap. So if there was any backlash, I was not, I guess not. It was not for you. Aware of it. And I, uh, but yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't, I, so, so, you know, no, I, I don't, I don't, right. I don't think that's been an issue. That I'm right. Because I was one, I mean, it's not like there's one Darth Vader, you know, if somebody were to come right. around and say, Oh, but Darth Vader is a title that, you know, that's been going on for all these generations. I think people yeah. might, might freak out a bit, but not to, not to, not to get really, you know, uh, geeky, but um, but there have been you know there have been Sith lords throughout history, so I think that's the more apt comparison to to that. You know that each of these are their own individual with their own definite personalities and ways of handling things, but they're 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 part of a of a chain going back several hundred years. Is there a lot of similarities though between Cobra Commander and Darth Vader? Um, I not 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 really. I mean, they're both villains, but I don't. That's pretty much it. I think they're very different characters. Okay. I I I would have to give it more thought, I guess. All right. Yeah. They've got a couple movies out. I don't know. I'm trying to remember which one. I saw a few minutes of the one that everybody hated. I don't think I saw mm-hmm. the good one. Okay. Um. So I don't really know where how they addressed the characters at all. I didn't know it was it was kind of strange like growing up to me like GI Joe was one thing, it was one guy. Right. Um because it was a doll and you know GI Joe was sort of like generic for American soldier. Right. Um and you know and then obviously became like you know Hasbro's giant property and there's all these characters and it's a whole team ensemble. Mhm. Including women. Which you know, hey, you don't see everywhere. Yeah. Um, and and it, I know um, it's, it's huge in cosplay. I mean, there's so much GI Joe cosplay. Yeah. And and, and the filling issues I'm doing are actually pretty pretty heavy on some of the prominent female characters, and also introduces a new uh, female member of Cobra um, that I think people will really like. So theoretically, there could be a female Cobra Commander. 
theoretically, there could be one in these very issues. Could be. Mm-hmm. All right. This is very exciting. Yeah. Um, now, what kind of help did you have writing you know, franchises like Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe when, you know, was there a single editor to help you with maintaining their the image that they wanted or did you script everything out and then hope for the best? What what kind of process was this? Yeah, no, I just just like any other licensed book, you work with the uh, you work with the editor at the at the publisher and then you also get notes from the from the licensor. Um which would be Hasbro in the case of G.I. Joe and uh Nickelodeon in the case of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So yeah, they definitely help to um to keep you on track, but both of those licensors are very focused on really just telling a great story and being respectful to their characters. And so, you know, when you have folks with with that focus, then then it, it helps you uh, tremendously, and uh, it's very easy to work with. That's good. I was wondering if it was extremely stressful, because I, I, I know sometimes, uh, like one of the artists, I think – in fact, I had mentioned Dave Wachter. I think he had, was working on – he did some covers for True Blood, and he had to, like, wait for wait for the network notes, you know, if you will, <laughs> to come back. Right. And it's like that's got to be exciting but frustrating and anxious and all these, you know, all these endorphins running through you as you wait for somebody's approval on something that's that's so visible to the general public. It's definitely a different kind of challenge than than doing your creator own stuff. Um, but I I really like I really like the, the the particular individual challenge of each of them. So yeah. So when you're working on character development for something, you know, for for things that people have heard of, and then you've got some new characters that you're throwing into the mix, how do you approach your character development process? Do you just like have a spiral notebook with all sorts of scribble in it or are you um you know you on wikipedia constantly or whatever um I, you mean like for for an an existing character is that what you're saying yeah if you're cuz you obviously need to make it your own but at yeah. the same time like you said you have to you have to stick by some rules um yeah no i think you just familiarize yourself with the source material and try to understand what motivates them and and what their voice is and what their role is in the story. And then once you once you kind of have those things down, then you treat it like any other character. Did you have, like, a Ninja Turtles marathon, like, one weekend? I uh, No, I was pretty well-versed in the Ninja Turtles. Um, All right. Or already. I didn't really have any issues there. Uh, yeah, the other interesting thing is that um, um, I actually haven't, in any of the stuff I've done, had very many scenes with the turtles themselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they definitely pop up in, in, in everything that I've done, but I haven't, I've yet to do something that focuses, uh, mainly on, on the turtles. So, um, yeah, I think I may be the, um, the turtles writer who's written the turtles the least. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, you're writing, sh- yeah, you wrote Shredder. So, um, can you give me like the basics of who this character is? Sure. Uh, Shredder is is one of the primary antagonists in um, in the Turtles um, stories. Um, he is a uh, an ancient um, ninja, has kind of been reincarnated in in the modern day. And our story takes place uh, primarily in the time period 
um, before he was he was reincarnated in modern day, and it kind of is talks about what happened to him, um, basically in the in the afterlife or the in, be, in between world. Um, and so it's kind of a it's kind of a very uh, a little bit of a head trippy story. It's got some really cool visuals. Um, it sort of plays around a lot with 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 time and space. Um, and uh yeah and and like I said Dan it really it was it was actually Dan Duncan's idea I should say he came up with the basic idea of this and then I was brought in to um to kind of flesh it out and and then script it and Dan just does a an, an extraordinary job with with the art and really brings home this 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 strange world that Shredder finds himself in in this issue So what were your panel descriptions like uh, in, in this case, since Dan obviously had a had a foundation already, um, I, I I treated it pretty much like I like to do anything anything else. Um, my panel descriptions tend to be basically just telling the artist what we need for the story, and you know, I I, I don't I don't tend to art direct at all. I, I mean, I, I never get into angles. I don't tend to you know be one of people like describes the eighteen things that need to be in the background or. Any of that, so no, it wasn't really any different than than any other project I've done in that regards. Okay, so that's yeah, you gotta you know let the artist do their job. Mm-hmm. He obviously knows what he's doing. Yep. Um. So, were there any characters between these two franchises that you really wanted to to fit in, but you just couldn't? Hmm. Um. I feel like GI Joe has a huge cast. Right, so, right. I mean, it's kind of, you know, seems like everybody had their favorite Joe or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, with the folks I've, I've gotten to use, um, thus far. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if I, there are definitely people I'd like to bring in if I ever have a chance to work on, on more of either of these franchises. But um, no, I've, I've actually been pretty, pretty, pretty lucky in, in terms of getting to, to play with some of the. The, the fairly big names in the in each franchise. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you could pick the next IP, what, what would you want to? What would you know? What's your What's your dream list of things to work on? <laughs> I definitely have one, but you know, I um, I don't like to talk about that publicly because it feels kind of weird to me. Because these are you know these are jobs I would like to apply for and it, it feels kind of like you know like 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 communicating publicly to the publisher of what I would like to do <laughs> you know what I mean um, but yeah no no there's 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 a very very long list of of things that I would love to work on but at the same time you know I'm, I'm at a point in the industry right now where I'm I'm not a very well-known guy I'm still a guy who's kind of scrapping and trying to Earn my place in the industry, and uh, and so I I, I kind of feels like it would be a little presumptuous. Let me put it that way to like publicly say, here's what I'd like to work on next. <laughs> well, but one of your one of your creator own things that is out is Strange Nation. Yes. And yes, Strange Nation, I'm Monkey Brain Comics. So excited about that because I really love yeah. the first issue, which oh, is already you. on Comicsology if you yep. um, haven't seen it. It is uh, indeed. Um, so now all. Like these three titles that we're talking about, Strange Nation, GI Joe, Ninja Turtles, they're all very like sci-fi themed. So, do you? Unless, what I always wondered was if people consider 
Ninja Turtles to be superheroes or if they consider them sci-fi because this, to me, it seems more sci-fi, but yet they're heroic. I don't know. I think you'd be heroic in anything, but um, uh, this is gonna this is gonna sound kind of phony, and I and I, and I recognize that, but I really don't think about genre when I'm writing a story. You know, okay. uh, so I, I've never given that any thought. I tend to just I tend to just think about the characters and the story and 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 and, and write rather than thinking about what it what it slots into in particular. Um, yeah, to the point like even a lot of my stuff. Um, People have like called it young adult when, when that was never my intention. I know that um, that yeah, orc or orc girl, the book, that I, the one shot that I did with Thomas Bowright last year. Um, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, what a what a fantastic young adult story this is." And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> just ride that, that wave because it's <laughs> just ride that because that's that's like hugely popular." So right, right. So yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I yeah, you're right. They they all. The stuff I've done has ten, tended to be very genre heavy so far, but I, I I don't think that that any of it has um has been very similar to each other. Even if you could like fit them into the very like broad sci-fi fantasy um, rubric. Yeah. So so give us a rundown of of Strange Nation and what it what it is and you know why it's exciting because it just it's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Strange Nation uh, is about um, a woman named uh, Norma Park, and she is a is a journalist uh, at, a, at a major American newspaper, and she basically stumbles upon this bizarre conspiracy uh, involving aliens and Sasquatch and doomsday cults. And um, when she tries to report on it, she's basically drummed out of the journalism industry because everyone thinks that it's just a a gigantic joke, and she ends up working at a tabloid newspaper. So, um, and basically, it's it's a story about someone who's really dedicated to her job and to exposing the truth and to speaking truth to power. And it's about what she's willing to do to to make that happen, um, and what she's willing to sacrifice for that job, even while knowing that. The deeper she gets into this, the more that she's seen as as a joke, frankly. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a cool story. I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, she has a very complicated relationship with her parents, uh, which is I haven't really dealt very much with family stuff in my in my work before, except for a couple of short stories in in, in Clockwork. So that's been that's been really interesting. And uh, she has a sidekick named Jesse Vernon who uh, faked his death back in uh, 1977, and she discovered him living in the Florida swamplands. So Jesse may or may not be a name that people are are, are more familiar with, based on that description. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a really cool, fun, raucous story that also has this, this at its heart, this story about someone trying to find their way in the world and do what they think is right. And yeah, like you said, there's um, there's the the play back and forth with her her parents which um you know taking somebody like this who's she, like she feels uncomfortable in this this skin in her real skin with uh you know where they fit in society and stuff um and at the same time you have these uh, you know supernatural characters you know like giant primate creatures and, right you know um so it just seems like they're, 
you always take your characters and treat them human no matter if they are or not. You know, like every everybody has these wide range of emotions. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I think that's 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 kind of what you have to do is um is yeah, just try to try to you have to try to give 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 a certain level of respect and dignity to all your characters. I think regardless of if there's some wacky construct and regardless of whether they're they're a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because, like, one of the first things that I can think of is Planet of the Apes that, you know, really made that transparent, you know, as to what we see as animal and, you know, that humans tend to dominate and stuff. And Planet of the Apes, to me, was the was, like, the first thing that I can think of that took that and made it, like, show that we need to have respect. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and, and since that time, you know, like the newer version, like the, the new Planet of the Ebbs is, um, they did such a remarkable job. There's just so much more, I don't know, I guess just because the, the world is smaller for us these days that, uh, right. you know, we can, we see things and how different cultures treat, you know, Treat the animal hierarchy, if you will. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, is there anything, uh, you know, other than your own imagination that helps you deal with the non-human characters, like to um, give you more perspective? Like, do you ever have to, to say, okay, well, this character is, you know, more primate, so do you need to do any primate research um, if I were a better writer, I'd probably do that, but no. <laughs> no, no, I do not. <laughs> oh my god, as the Irish coffee almost came out my nose. <laughs> um, yeah, not, 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 not really. I pretty much just treat everyone the same way I would a, a human character. Um, I mean, I think that you know, if if you have a a character who's let's say the only one of their of their kind in existence, and there's a certain amount of alienation and isolation that would go along with that. But you know that those aren't foreign concepts to 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 anyone. So you just have to take that and imagine how much of that you would feel if you were in this person's situation. But um, yeah, but no, I mean realistically, yeah, there is a very good chance that that um, that non human characters would have a different emotional rubric than, than than humanity and and that you know it sh- they should be approached differently because of that but I don't do that you know so 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 yeah I, I guess there there's a certain type of writing that would take that into account and that would be really a really high level of craft to pull off correctly um, so I guess what I'm saying is go find the writer who does that. It, it sounds like they really know what they're doing. Meanwhile, I'm treating them like humans. Well, because one of the things that I finally read this year, because I'm uh, I'm very behind on, um, you know, current titles and stuff like that. So I like to, you know, eventually I get stuff and I get them at sales. And um, So I finally read Black Sad Volume 1. And these are anthropomorphic characters, but they're not right. they're not at all treated like animals. Yeah. And that was, like, you know, this very worthy of the critical acclaim it received. Um, so, you know, but it was just like, okay, these cat-shaped beings and trench coats and dresses and, um, you know, but there was nothing 
animalistic about them otherwise. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is cool. Yeah, and that's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic series as well. So what kind of stuff are you reading? Do you have time to read? Um, not as much as I would like, certainly. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading Mind Management. I just, um, just finished the second volume of that, uh, by Matt Kent from, uh, Dark Horse. That's really fantastic. Uh, a book that I really loved recently was, um, The End of the Fucking World by, uh, Charles Forsman. Um, he, like, self-published it through his Oily Comics imprint, and it just, uh, the, it, a collection just came out. I want to say through Drawn and Quarterly, but I'm not 100% certain of that. Um, so that's that's a really fantastic uh, book as well. Um, yeah, my my friend Ryan Ferrier has a has a new Monkey Brain book coming out called Dave. It's Dave with a, a four uh, for the A, and uh, I think the first issue comes out in a couple of weeks, and that's a fantastic book. So I would definitely highly recommend anyone go check that out. So um, so yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I I certainly am still reading a lot, but, well, yeah. I think, uh, you know, between the, between the day job and the work for hire stuff and the creator own stuff, I, I, I certainly don't have the same, like, stretches of hours upon hours of Wednesday evening reading that I, that I did several years ago. Right, which is, it's a good thing, though. And it's also, yeah. and you're also really busy with comics experience, so you're probably reading through a lot of scripts before they're even comics in the first place. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that's one of the things that I had found when I, when I you know, was right. lucky enough to be in workshop was I was like, well, I do read a lot, but, like, it's not anything that I can talk about. <laughs> like, right. I'm just reading scripts. Um, so what kind of new and exciting stuff is going on at Comics Experience? Because I know um, there's a couple new classes, like Breaking In and, you know, all sorts of exciting things. Sure. Uh, or... Um, I think the class you're, you're, you're talking about is uh, um, Rob Anderson and I are teaching a class. It, it's, it discusses breaking in, but the class is primarily on 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 making comics, um, and that's that's going on right now. We're halfway through that class. So that's been uh, really exciting, and hopefully we'll have a chance to uh, to do that one again. Um, other than that, you know, the the, the workshop uh, continues on, and it's it's growing its membership, and uh, it's really fascinating to see how many collaborations are now starting to come out of of the workshop, that a lot of books are being created between writers and artists who found themselves uh, on the workshop, and so they already kind of, you know, they know each other through there, and they have familiarity with each other, um, and then they, they go off and make awesome awesome stuff together so um they do they do yeah. and sometimes they make even more awesome stuff like um ken and janine frederick who just had their baby girl like mm-hmm. two days ago so yeah. even better than comics is making babies right i guess yeah and i think comic experience <laughs> should take full credit for that child as well i think so yeah. <laughs> i'll make sure that they know that uh-huh. <laughs> see yeah see we're we're a close community at comic that's right experience. um and uh, so there's always there's always intro to intro to writing comics and advanced writing comics and intro to coloring with um, Chris Sotomayor and uh, Robert Atkins teaches the art classes um, mm-hmm. with which includes like you know learning anatomy and and cool things like that. So these are all things that you can do like from the comforts of your home or wherever you are because you don't have to go to New York anymore. Right. And. Um, and that's one of the greatest things is that, you know, we have people all over the world that can log in and enjoy, enjoy the classes. And if you can't be there, it's recorded so you can go back and, and check it out. 
when you're Absolutely. a member. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's really fantastic. Uh, anyone who is interested in becoming a comics creator, I would highly recommend you uh, check it out. If you go to comicsexperience.com, you can, you can find out a whole bunch more information about it. Right. And every once in a while, there's, like, a really cool special. So, you know, you get, like, yeah. a, month, a month free or something. Yeah, and uh, if you um, if, if if anyone has any questions uh, about it, um, feel free to drop me a line at paul at comicsexperience dot com, and um, anything that I can't answer, I will pass on to Andy Schmidt, the uh, president of the company, or Rob Anderson, the general manager. But uh, anything that I can't answer, I'll be happy to help out with. That's exciting. So yeah, I um, I one of these days I hope to get back. I do. Yeah. I miss everybody, and there's all these new people now, which I, yeah. you know, I learned through Twitter. Right. I'm just like, oh, you're in too. Well, hey, we're family then. <laughs> there you go. Um, because we do like to have little reunions too at different conventions. Um, I know Baltimore is usually a big one. New York. Um, so, uh, and you're out there in Indiana. You have a local show, Kokomo, right? Yep. Um, so, what other shows do you get to do? Not very many. Um, I don't table very much um, because I'm a really, really awful hand-to-hand salesperson. Um, but I'm actually going to be uh, I'm going to be uh, going to Malta uh, at the end of the month, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, That's huge. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I'm super duper thrilled about that. Um, next year, I don't really have anything definitively scheduled yet. I'm hoping to get out to Emerald City, um, so we'll just have to. Have to play it by ear and see. Uh, I'll definitely be next year at at my local Kokomo Con and at an Appleseed Con in April or May, whenever that I takes think, place. I which think is I'm in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, it's up in Fort Wayne, um, just up the highway from me. So that should be pretty cool. And they have Jim Steranko coming as their special guest. So um, I know that everyone will be there to see me. But while you're there to see me, you can also stop by and see Jim Steranko. Yes, he's he's one of my boyfriends, definitely. As because um, <laughs> I uh, I finally got to meet him in New York, and it was oh, cool. hilarious. It was just yeah. it's so much fun. Um, but yeah, I'm very likely to get to Appleseed this oh, year. Oh, cool! So um, I just uh, need to make sure that everything works out. But that's such a good show, and I I interviewed Zach Crucy, who runs Appleseed Con. Um, he, so there's a previous episode all about Appleseed, if people want to go back and listen to it and learn about that show, because it's a nice, intimate, comics-centric show. Plus, they um, they like to do other things, like getting involved in their local community and teaching people about comics. So they're, um, they're just a really good, good group out there. So let's see. So we covered Strange Nation and G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles. Uh, are we missing anything? I don't want to miss anything. I think that's about what has been announced right now. Okay. Yep. So now, when you were a, a little boy out there in Indiana, did you were you a <clears throat> Ninja Turtles and GI Joe fan from way back? Um, I well, I, I didn't really uh, grow up in Indiana. They moved around quite a bit. Um, oh, okay. But yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely more of a more of a Turtles fan. But yeah, both those franchises were definitely a big part of my life when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I think it's just so fascinating that they, they stick around. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain things that really do stick around. One of the things that, um, in, you know, comics news this week was that um, there will be a new Ms. Marvel. She will be a young teenage girl who happens to be Muslim and from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I was bantering back and forth with somebody, one of my friends, and he's just like, well, do you really think this will last past a couple issues or past, you know, past a year? It'll, you know, likely to be canceled. I'm like, well, not everything is Spider-Man. I don't know what to say. I mean, the character Ms. Marvel has been around for a very long time, but it's been different people, and Carol Danvers moved on to become Captain Marvel. Yeah, with all due respect, I mean, I don't, I, I have a problem with the kind of like, you know, the cynicism that, 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 that pops up whenever the companies try to diversify and broaden, uh, what they're offering. Because, you know, yeah, maybe Miss Marvel will, will last, you know, 200 issues. Maybe it, it, it won't do as well. But, you know, I think it is 100% awesome that Marvel is bringing out this character. I think that comics need a lot more of this I, I, because it's going to bring in uh, a new audience. Uh, it's going to, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a white man. So I know what it's like to look at a comic book and go, yep, everyone here looks like me, you know? Um, but there are a lot of people in the world who can literally look through dozens of big two comic books and not see a single main character that looks like themselves. And so, yeah, I think I, I just do not have enough good things to say about, about that character in particular and about in general, the big two trying to uh, broaden the, the diversity of their, of their casts. And yeah. Okay. So will it succeed? We'll find out, but you know what? Let's wait and find out. Let's not start writing it off the second it's announced because uh, I don't know. I just sorry to go off on a rant. That's that, not at all. That, that that particular kind of cynicism really gets under my skin. So, but yeah, I I, I think it's I think it's awesome. I, I give major props and congratulations to Sana Amanet and Steve Wacker and everyone else at Marvel. Um, it's 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 great. Yeah, and I you know some of the the changes that are, you know, that have been made regarding the Ms. Marvel character, like, you know, when she became Captain Marvel in the first place and they changed the outfit. Right. Like, that alone became, like, such news. And it's like... Yeah. And that's a like, fantastic book. I, I was just like, okay, so they gave her, you know, a more modest suit. And it's like, honestly, it's like my favorite suit in comics these days. And I don't even, I don't even read the book. I just like to, you know, it's like I follow everybody on Twitter and stuff and I try to keep up with it. I had to make the suit once uh, for a friend. So I'm familiar with the suit and I just think it's a fantastic design. And now with this new girl that they're, they're casting as, as Miss Marvel, um, she obviously has her own look and design and stuff like that. And it's adorable and it's appropriate. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure because they don't, uh, you know, people are talking about the Carol core or something like that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's like, is Ms. Marvel like different people? Like, you know, we were talking about Cobra commander being different people. Um, like I don't know anything about Ms. Marvel if she's different people. So I just, I was unsure about, you know, why, you know, why is it Ms. Marvel? Why wasn't she somebody else prominent? But I mean, you know, when they came up with that character, they were trying to rival Wonder Woman at the time of Inception. And, um, you know, Wonder Woman's treated so shabbily anyway. So it's like, well, you know, maybe they were, I, I would not be surprised if there's a Ms. Marvel movie or Ms. Marvel in, in action long before we see Wonder Woman. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, Marvel is always, you know, since X-Men and stuff like that, they've always tried to be conscious, I think, of more diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because DC tries to do stuff too, but somehow it doesn't, 
it just doesn't ever feel the same. Like, it really does feel like there's such a delineation. Like, you know, DC has gay characters, Marvel has gay characters, but they're treated so differently. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you know, even even the Green Lantern Corps, it's hard to have a, a character of, of non-Caucasian descent that's not an alien, I guess. I, did. I don't know. It just comes across very strange to me that these are the two monstrous big two publishers, and they they do still feel so different. Right. And then you got, you know... Then you got the, the the little the little fish in the big pond, you know, like Action Lab. Just comes out and just like, yep, here we go, black little girl princess. We're gonna do this, <laughs> and she's not even gonna be helpless. She's gonna kick some ass. Like, yep, there we go. <laughs> right. And they have no problem. But no, I love to hear that you're passionate. That you're passionate about diversity. It, it's very helpful when people are. And speaking of DC, I mean, they're also they just also announced that they're packing up their New York offices, apparently, and, like, moving to the West Coast where they where their owners are. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's kind of sad for the New York area. I mean, it doesn't affect me personally. Right. I just, you know, I just always think of the publishing world being in New York. All right. So, I suppose that you're feeling so under the weather, I should probably let you get going. And Well, this has been a lot of fun. It's always fun. I love, I love chatting with you, and, I, you know, I don't get to see you nearly enough, so... But I'm glad things at, at Comics Experience are going very well. So yeah, I, I, I hope you get to rerun that class because um, it would be sort of like a nice like pre-introduction before people decide if they want to get into necessarily into writing or into art or whatever. Right. Definitely. So um, where can people find you and find information about you? Um, if you go to my Twitter account, that's just Paul Aller. It's A-L-L. O-R. And uh, I have a Tumblr. That's pauladler.tumblr.com. I have a website, pauladler.com. It's not very well updated. But yeah, Twitter and Facebook are the main the main places to to keep up with what I'm doing. All right. And when is the, the G.I. Joe stuff coming out? Uh, January. Yeah. Shredder, Shredder in November. Um, G.I. Joe and, um, and the Turtles book in January. Oh, we did forget to mention something. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, in December, Pathfinder Goblins number five. Uh, it's it's an anthology series that Dynamite um, is doing on their Pathfinder franchise. Right. And uh, I have I have a story in the in the fifth issue that I think uh, came out really well. It's my first uh, attempt at writing something overtly funny uh, in the funny books. And um, so check that out because I, I think it's pretty good. That's fantastic. In fact, my next guest, Jeremy Holt, is, uh, I think, in the number two issue. Uh, number four. Okay, number four. Yeah, so it's fantastic. Yeah, Dynamite is doing such fun, awesome stuff right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're, they've, like, really started to nail down some solid stuff this year, and I love it. Um, so, uh, great. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see... Uh, See a different side, a funnier side of Paul instead of, you know, the human condition sadness that we're used to. Great. <laughs> no, come on. But Strange Nation, also, like I said, guys, seriously, please go check that out. Um, it's, you know, it's on Comixology. And you have to, with Comixology, you have to sort of, like, buy the back issues that are already out. And then you can subscribe so you'll get the future. But they're 99 cents each. They're 99 so cents. So you've it got is, no problem doing that. It's wonderful. Yeah, please. Just check out, check out the first issue. It'll be like you lost a buck on the subway or something uh, yeah. if you don't like it. And, but, yeah, but you will. And, and you'll think, oh, that's the best dollar I've ever spent, because that's how you all talk. 
<laughs> Who's your artist on Strange Nation? Oh, yeah, thank you. Gosh, I can't believe you mentioned him. Uh, Juan Romera, not only the artist, but the uh, the co-creator. And, uh, yeah, Juan is absolutely uh, fantastic. I mean, his his stuff is so lively and, and fun. And, yes, I'm, I would have been kicking myself ten minutes after we ended this this call when I realized that I did not talk about him. So, but yeah. Um, it is. It's such a super, super exciting book, and I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Juan's doing the pencils, inks, colors, the whole the whole shebang. And, uh, and it's being edited by, by Rob Anderson, one of my comics experience uh, bros, and the guy I'm teaching that, uh, that class with. And Rob is doing a really great job of uh, keeping on top of the scripts and making sure that they are the best they can be. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um, Rob, one of Rob's books that's that is uh, Rex, uh, Rex Zombie, Zombie Killer. Which, Rex Zombie which, Killer. Which I am editing. So we've got that little that little editor exchange thing going on. So love yeah, Rex, it. Rex is fantastic. It really is. I love when I randomly see see it pop up like in my Twitter feed that somebody reviewed it or got it or something. I'm just like, right. it's so exciting to, to just the the randomness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just met – that's because that's put out by Big Dog Inc. I just met Tom from Big Dog Inc. when I was out at Detroit Fan Fair. Mm. So uh, very nice group. Cool. That's good. All right. Well, Paul, I will let you go now that you are so super busy and um, in demand. I'll get to say that I interviewed you when. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Alrighty. Um, guys, don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber and for more, look up amberunmasked.com. And if you're listening to this through iTunes or Stitcher or just through the website, leave some feedback or, you know, tweets. Let me know how, what you thought. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>